I ask if you would to take a copy of God's Word and go ahead and be turning to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 this morning. Does it not encourage you to know that we may not even finish this service? We can go straight to heaven. That's reality. That we're not promised another minute in this life. And whether we go by death or we go by being caught up together with the Lord to meet Him in the clouds and so shall we be with Him forever and ever. We're not promised to even conclude this service. When you start talking about heaven, I hope and I pray as you looked in your messenger, you said, oh, Brother John's going to talk about heaven. And he's going to answer every single question I have about heaven. That's not going to happen today. Heaven is so profound and so big, and it is such a mystery that there's not much in the Bible about heaven. I like it that way. Because it, t- it tells us by faith to trust in Him. He told us that He's going to prepare a place for us. And if He goes and prepares a place for us, He will come again and receive us unto Himself, that where He is, we may be also. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, that we don't know what we're going to be like, but we know we shall be like Him when we see Him face to face. So as you turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4, I want us just for a few minutes to talk about heaven. This whole summer we've been talking about the subject, life after death. We spent three Sundays about the destination of hell. We talked about three different types of people in hell. We talked about the great white throne judgment. We talked about how Jesus and how He viewed a place called hell. Hell is a reality for all people who die without Jesus. But praise the Lord, heaven is a reality that all those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior will spend forever and ever. Revelation chapter 4, the Scripture says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice, voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He who sat was like a jasper and sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white robes and, and the crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, seven lamps of fire which were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, and the second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature was the, had the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings full of eyes, around and within, they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, 
the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things and by Your will they exist and were created. Heaven is not just a destination, but heaven for a believer is a motivation. Heaven motivates us every single day in our life with the events that happened this week in our country. I believe every Christian ought to have a heart that is groaning, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. May You rid this world of sin and violence, and may You come and set up Your kingdom here on this earth where the lion and the lamb lay down together, and You will reign and rule forever and ever and ever. Heaven is our motivation because Philippians says our citizenship is not in this world, but we are citizens of a place called heaven. Heaven is a reality. Benjamin Franklin said this, By heaven we understand a state of happiness infinite in degree and endless in duration. Revelation chapter 4 is one of the first pictures in the book of Revelation. It is the first picture that we see in heaven Chapter 1 is a description, it's, a, it's an introduction to the churches, but it's also a description of Jesus. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 is a, a letters to the seven churches. And then chapter 4, the scene shifts from earth to heaven. And John is caught up in this spirit. And he sees this vision and he begins to write down what he is seeing in heaven. Three things I want to show you from this passage. Number one is this, so I want you to see that there is a marked attendance in heaven. A marked attendance in heaven. This may seem very simple. This may seem very uh, uh, less profound. But I want you to understand that when a believer dies, they go into the presence of the Lord. There's not a holding place. There's not a group of people who are sleeping. They go straight into the presence of the Lord. I believe this verse teaches uh, and following chapter 4, verse 1 and following. The Bible says, After these things I looked, and behold, there was a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you these things which must take place after this. That phrase right there that begins in chapter 1, after these things, in the, in the original language, it means that it is a succession. It, it, you go from chapter 3, verse 22, straight into chapter 4, verse 1. It's something happens in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, how John is, is caught up and he sees this vision. I believe it's a picture not only of a believer dying and seeing Jesus face to face, but it's also a believer if we are still here when Jesus comes back, how in the twinkling of an eye we shall all be changed in a moment, how we go from earth to heaven and we see Jesus face to face. There are two types, really two, there's, there's really three, but two main views or beliefs when it comes to the end times or the return of Jesus Christ. Some may ask, Brother John, is Jesus, could He come back today? Or does something else have to take place? Does the temple have to re be rebuilt in Jerusalem? Does the Antichrist have to reign? Does the tribulation must take place? What needs to happen before Jesus Christ can come back? There are some very uh, intelligent scholars who are out there that believe in a belief called post-tribulation. 
What that means is, is that the world as we know it will enter into a time of tribulation. There will be chaos, wars, nation fighting against nation. There will be violence on all aspects worldwide, not just in one city here or one city there, but worldwide. During that time, the Antichrist will reign. He will lead a worldwide organization of peace just for a couple of years. He will make a peace treaty with Israel. There will be no peace until the Antichrist comes, but it is nothing but a lie. It is nothing but a, a, a mission of deceit and deception straight from the pit of hell. But for many, they believe that the end of that time is the battle of Armageddon and Jesus Christ will come back. Before Jesus comes, the church will be raptured up and the church will come with Jesus on the white horse. Revelation chapter 19, 11 through 18 talks about that. And there are many who believe that, preachers that I know, scholars that I know that have written commentary after commentary and will, will, will believe that way. And that's okay. And I respect that. The way I look at the book of Revelation is more of a pre-trip. I believe that at any moment Jesus Christ could come back and take His church home. Nothing else has to take place, whether it be in Israel or the rise of the Antichrist or wars or nothing of that nature. I believe, according to, to Revelation and other parts of the Scripture, that's something that could take place today. Now you may be out there and you say, Brother John, I don't agree with that. And I know there's some other texts that, 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 that may shift you another direction. Here's what we can agree on. We will both be in heaven. I believe I'm going to get there quicker than you will. But we can both go to heaven. <laughs> you understand where I'm coming from. I don't want to make this a divisive issue. I want you to know this. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, I hope He's your Lord and Savior. He's my Lord and Savior. Regardless of how we're going to get there, if we have to go through the, go through the tribulation, if we go straight from, from earth to heaven and, and not go through truth, I don't care which way we go as long as I see Jesus Christ face to face. That's the bottom line. But as I look at Revelation, you have to look at it from a certain viewpoint. And John is in attendance in heaven. He is there and he sees this vision. In fact, the Bible says in verse 1 to come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after this. After the things that are taking place on earth in chapter 3, there's something else that's going to take place. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The Scripture teaches that Jesus Christ will soon come back and get His church, and we will be with Him a marked attendance in heaven. But He also says, in the middle part of verse 1, He says, I want you to come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. If you've never read the book of Revelation and you read verse 1, you're thinking, man, the Lord's fixing to answer every single question that I've ever had about heaven. The Lord is fixing to show John every single thing about heaven. And I believe John saw a lot. In fact, I believe John saw so much that he could not put into words everything that he saw. 
Heaven is not just something that is instantaneous, but heaven is something that is inexpressible. Do you realize that every vision in heaven, whether it be Isaiah or Ezekiel or Paul or John, when they got back to earth, they could not put into words what they saw. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 3 through 4, and I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise. This is Paul speaking. And heard inexpressible words, which it's not even lawful for me to utter. Be careful when you read somebody, a preacher or an individual, or reading a book or something where somebody defines everything there is to know about heaven. If the apostles and God's anointed men who He used, the over 40 different authors could not understand and put into practice, I don't think anybody else can either. Heaven's a mystery. And heaven is meant to be a mystery. Somebody has defined heaven as this. How in the world would you describe the color red to a blind person? How would you do it? It's almost impossible. And that's the way heaven is. Heaven is a reality, but it is meant to be believed by faith. So John is there. He has a marked attendance in heaven. But the Scripture says in verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one who sat on the throne. So number two is this, not only is there a marked attendance, but I want you to see the major attraction that's in heaven. You remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the great white throne judgment and the last thing that a person who does not know Jesus will see before they go to hell is the throne of Jesus. At the same time, I believe Revelation 4 teaches that the first thing a believer sees when they get to heaven is a throne and one who sits on the throne. See, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you will see one on a throne, and His name is Jesus. So there is a major attraction that is in heaven. The Bible describes this throne in verse number 3. He who sat on the throne was like a jasper. John is trying to put into words what he is seeing, and he uses some of the most prized and precious jewels and emeralds and diamonds that are in the English language to, to define a jasper stone is, is, is one that is very transparent. A sardius stone is one that is fiery and red. John is trying to put in the words, it's like, it's like trying to describe a diamond. He says there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance that was like an emerald, not just a half of a rainbow that so oftentimes we see, but one that covered the entire throne. As John sees this, he's reminded of God's covenant with man. He is reminded that God has promised never, ever to flood the earth again. And he sees this rainbow as a picture of a covenant-keeping God. The Bible says in verse 4, And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. This verse 4 is, is very interesting because we have to understand who these 24 elders are. Who are these elders? What are they doing in heaven? 
The Bible does identify them as clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Immediately you're thinking, is this me? Is this someone who is saved? As you look at these 24 elders, who in the world are the 24 thrones indicate that they reign with Jesus. They reign with Christ. Nowhere in Scripture do you see angels ever sitting on thrones. So they're not angels. They never are pictured as ruling or or reigning. These 24 elders are servants. As you picture this in this passage, but also in Revelation, they are called to serve. They, uh, this group of people, uh, are ones who, who are serving, just like angels are. Angels are servants. But they never sit on thrones. The word elders is the word presbyteros. It's where we get the word Presbyterian from. The word elders is never used in Scripture to refer to angels. It's always in reference to men, to human beings. It is used to speak of older men in general and the rulers of both Israel and also the church. Israel, I mean, excuse me, elders would be an appropriate term to describe angels who, who do not age. But this is not in reference to angels. Excuse me, elders would be an inappropriate term to describe angels who do not age. The next phrase is the word white garments. Angels do appear in white. But this is more commonly the dress of humans. More importantly, believers. In Revelation, you see believers that are clothed in white with crowns of gold on their heads. That fourth one, crowns of gold. These are humans because crowns are never promised to angels. Nor are angels ever seen wearing crowns. Plus, this word crown is the word stephanos, which means a victor's crown. It's a crown given to someone who has just won a victory. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there's laid it for me a crown, a victor's crown, a stephanos waiting for me. Not just to me only, but all those who love His appearing. So this word crown that is given to these, this group of people, these 24 elders, are, are crowns of victory. The 24 elders are you and me and Moses and Noah and all of the redeemed up to this time. I believe these are the 24 elders. It can be defined as the church, the raptured, glorified church, which sings songs of redemption, chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. You see what these 24 elders are doing. Verse 5, the Scripture goes on to says, And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. How often do we want to picture heaven being a place of a rainbow that is all the way around? But verse 5, we see that there's lightning and thunderings and voices that are coming from the throne, maybe that's a sign of a soon coming judgment that will take place. Yesterday I got up um, about 8 o'clock to go cut my grass because we had an 80% chance of rain. Oh, I was thinking it was going to flood the earth. And my poor grass needed some, gra- needed some rain and my flowers and, and everything else. So I got up and I cut the grass and the thunder rolled and rolled and rolled. And how it rained all of about 30 or 45 seconds. But the thunder rolled all day long. We got a little swimming pool in our backyard and Joel wanted to swim. I said, no, it's thundering, it's coming. And I said that for about seven hours. And it never rained again in Oak Grove. 
But the thunder reminds us that there's somebody up there. And as John sees the beauty of verse 3 and verse 4, he's reminded that there's lightnings and thunderings and voices from the throne of God. I believe John understands that judgment is about to take place. That although when we get to Revelation chapter 21 and we see the new heaven and new earth, the lightnings and thunderings have gone because there is no more judgment. John sees it here in verse number 5. There were seven lamps of fire, which is a number of perfection, of completion before the throne, the seven spirits of God, God in all of who He is. Verse 6, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back. What an interesting group of individuals, these four living creatures. They have eyes in the front and they see all. Even verse 7 says the first living creature was like a lion. The second one was like a calf, and the third one was had the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. John is, is trying to, to write down what he sees, and he sees these, these four living creatures. In fact, verse 8 identifies these four living creatures as having six wings full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This passage, holy, 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 is a direct quotation of Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah is, sees the Lord high and lifted up. He sees the cherubim and he sees the seraphim, the ones who have in six wings these four living creatures and nothing more than angelic beings around the throne of God. Why the face of a lion? Why the face of a calf? Why the face of a man? And why the face of a living creature? Write down this verse, Genesis chapter 9. Verses 8 through 10. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 10. God is sharing His covenant with Noah. More than just a rainbow. Look at what He says in verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah, His sons, with Him, saying, And as for me, behold, I established My covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast on the earth, and all those that go out of the ark, even every beast that is on the earth. God described to Noah the four living creatures, the man, the cattle, the birds, and the beast. The same way, that's what John sees as he sees this rainbow, and it's a picture of God's covenant keeping, and how all of creation, birds, man, the cattle, and the beast, All are praising God. Doesn't the Scripture say something how all of creation groans for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 1, and the issue in our world today is that the world is worshiping creation and not the Creator. And how at the throne of God you have all those, these angels that is a picture of all creation that is worshiping and how every single day, every single night, no matter what time of day, they are saying to the Lord, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Every single moment in heaven, you hear the sound, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Morning, noon, night. There's no time in heaven. It's hard for us to understand. But they are always, always worshiping 
the Lord. Number three and final. We've seen a marked attendance set us in heaven. We've seen the, 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 the major attraction. Now I want to show you the main action of heaven. What are we going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. What are we going to be doing? There are many things that we're doing, but the main thing we will do I believe the Scripture teaches us in verse number 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, here you go, the 24 elders, the redeemed church of all mankind, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and by Your will they exist and they were created. A main or the main action in heaven. Worship. It's to feel in your heart and to express in some appropriate manner of humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of the most ancient mystery, the majesty which philosophers called the Jesus Christ, which we all call our Father in heaven. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. You will worship Him forever and ever and ever in heaven. If you don't like worshiping Jesus here on this earth, you will not like heaven. All this is, is practice for what we're going to do forever and ever in heaven. Brother John, do I need to come to church to worship? No, you can worship in your home. But when you get to heaven, you won't be by yourself. You will be by every other believer who has ever lived. So come and to be a part of the house of God. And don't forsake this assembling ourselves together. But we come and we worship as if this was our last worship service on this earth. Brother John, I'm uncomfortable singing. I'm uncomfortable raising my hand. I'm uncomfortable doing this. I'm uncomfortable getting on my knees. All of those things must be pushed aside because when we see Jesus Christ face to face and the crowns of glory, the, the Stephanos that we've received because of our works we've done here on this earth after we've accepted Christ, we will cast at His feet and we will worship forever and ever. Our song is different. Our song is not holy, holy, holy. That's in the background. That's what the choir is singing. That's what the four living creatures are singing. Ours is, you are worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power, you created all things. And by your will they exist and they were created. One of the things, and I've read Revelation 4 several times in my life, the emphasis on Creator God with the rainbow, the connection to Genesis and the covenant, and how the church will bow down and say, You are created, God. You are Creator. Let me give you a couple of facts about our creation. The diameter of our earth around the equator is 7,926.6 miles. The Earth's circumference is about 25,000 miles. 
earth weighs an estimated 6,000 million, million, million tons. And it just hangs there in midair, not held up by anything visible. Earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour on its axis. And as it does, it travels through space at 19 miles per second, 66,600 miles per hour, 1,000 times faster than what most of us travel down the interstate. Most of us. 66,600 miles per hour, the earth flies between 500 and 600 million miles every year. The earth is huge, but not in comparison to the sun. The sun's diameter is 866,000 miles in diameter from one side to the other, with a circumference of 2,720,106 miles, so big that 1,300,000 of our earths could fit inside the sun. But compared to Antares, another star, our sun is small. 64 of our suns could fit inside of that one. But Antares is a relatively small star in comparison to Hercules. 110 million Antares could fit inside the star Hercules. Betelgeuse and other stars, but the numbers get so big, it begins to blow the mind that all of this was spoken into existence by the Word, the Logos, Jesus Christ. God the Son. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Consider just for a moment that the Milky Way galaxy is, is where earth finds itself. The Milky Way galaxy is 15,000 light years wide at the center and about 100,000 light years across. That means to travel the length of this galaxy, the Milky Way, it would take you 100,000 years traveling at 186,000 miles per hour, which is the speed of light. There are an estimated 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is just one of an estimated 100 billion galaxies that all Jesus spoke into existence in six normal days. That's why when you stand before His throne, you will fall down at His feet and cast your crowns upon His throne and say, you are worthy to receive honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. The hymn writer said the best, a country where no twilight shadows deepen, an ending day where night will never be, a city where no storm clouds ever gather. This is just what heaven means to me. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng around the glassy sea to join our loved ones and crown Christ forever? This is just what heaven means to me.
It's a place where there is no misunderstanding. And from all enmity and strife we're free. No unkind words to wound our hearts are spoken. This is just what heaven means to me. I love verse 3. And when at last we see the face of Jesus, before whose image other loves all flee, and when they crown Him Lord of all, I'll be there. This is just what heaven means to me. Let's pray together. Heaven, there is a marked attendance. Will you be there? Only through Jesus. Only through a personal relationship with Jesus. And although we may not know everything about heaven, one thing we do know, it's real. And it's a reality. And it's available for every person in the sound of my voice and every person in this world who will turn from their sins and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I encourage you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have that personal relationship with Him, if you're not confident, you're not sure that if you walk out of this door, you'd walk straight into heaven if Jesus were to come back. Would you, would you fix that today? Would you allow the Holy Spirit today to work in your heart? And would you trust Him as your Lord and Savior? We're going to have an invitation in just a few minutes. If that's you today, I encourage you to come. And by you coming, you're saying, Brother John, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to trust in Him. It's a marked attendance. The major attraction is a throne. And your main action is worship. Is worship. God, give us hearts that are pure and that are focused on You, all that we are and all that we do. May our worship on this earth be like we're in heaven. It's hard to compare it. but we're citizens of heaven. Father, we love You today. God, I pray for this invitation. Lord, may those who need to come, may they come. Lord, there are those who need to be saved. God, would You save them today? God, there may be other decisions that people need to make. Would You give them the courage and the grace to come? And we ask all these things in Your precious name. Amen.